is a day that chains can be broken in your life. I know that's something that people think they can say all the time. That's not what I'm doing right now. God is speaking to me, and I don't have a specific issue or name or face in mind. Sometimes that happens. But I am telling you as strongly as I can tell you that I feel in my spirit that there's an answer for people in this place today. If you will just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit for the rest of our time together. Please do that for me today. Whoever it is, please do that to me today, for me today, because your life will change. The trajectory of where you're going in the next few days, months, and years will change. Not for what I'm saying, not because of what I'm doing, not because of this building or anything else, but because God wants to change the trajectory of your life today. And there are people here, if you're willing to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God, if you're willing to take a step towards Him, He will work in your life in power in ways that He has not done before. And you can take this for whatever it's worth. And however, whatever label, spiritual gifts you might want to put upon it, you can say it's prophetic, you can say it's a word of knowledge. God is speaking into my spirit now, and I am speaking to you what he is telling me to say. Don't miss it today, folks. And there's probably more than one. I don't know who they are, but I know God's speaking to me right now. And if it's just one, I'm okay with that. All this is worth it. If it's one person that comes to know the, the, the saving nature and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. If the power of God can change their life and turn it around from a place going this way to going the way he wants it to go, it's all worth it today. You're here in this place today. And it doesn't matter. There's nothing to be ashamed of, scared of, or embarrassed about. Because this place, this house, all of the people surrounding you here, whoever you may be, and it may be many of us, maybe all of us, we love you. We love you. I'm looking to make sure I cover every section. We love you. We love you. And we mean it from the bottom of our heart. Praise God. Praise God. Can we give these guys a round of applause for leading us into worship today? In the anointing of the Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. Thank you. I'm going to get to, and we'll have some time at the altar, and maybe they can just sing some more. You know, we used to have church in the old days. I don't think there's anything wrong about that. We used to have church in the old days. We used to call it camp meeting. Everybody ever heard of that? Those services would go on for hours, man. <laughs> it wasn't no lunch time. I got to get to lunch. I got to get to lunch. We're going to, be, we're going to be respectful of your time. But listen. This is such a small part of our week. We got seven days, 24 hours a day, folks. We can give a couple of hours to God today. He's got something for you. Father, use me today as your anointed servant to bring what you want brought into this house today and move by your power of your spirit, not the power of man and the words of man, but through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us today in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father.
So, you know, victory is something that we all want to have. Not only in our spiritual life, but in our life. We're made to be winners. We're made to be victorious. That's how God created us. Not just in spiritual things, but in all things. How many people ever played any kind of sport at all? And if you didn't, it's okay. any kind of competition at all. Playing maybe a friendly game of cards or, or some other game, a board game, and didn't want to win. If you didn't, if you went into a game like that and didn't want to win, raise your hand, please, because I do want to embarrass you. I'm kidding because I know there aren't anyone here like that. Everybody wants to win, and it's okay. God made us that way. Let me see if this video will help you explain this a little bit. seen that before. I mean, you know, you're not going to, okay. That is one of the most iconic television intros in the history of the world. Why is that? Not because of the whole thing that it said. Here are the key things to that, and you all know it. It's the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. And it showed it where the U.S. hockey team was winning that gold medal over Russia. The thrill of that victory. And then that guy was tumbling over that ski uh, jump, the agony of defeat. Which one of those do you want to be? I want to be Jim Craig with the flag around me celebrating the victory. And each and every one of you do too. We all want to be victorious. And I'm going to talk to you about this today because winning is exciting. Winning is enjoyable. Winning is fundamental, I believe, to our health and our, our happiness. I think, again, I'm, I'm saying because I believe God created us that way. I think also defeat is detrimental to our lives and to those around us. There's nothing to be gained by constantly being in de- defeated and to be losing, I don't think. And, and remaining in defeat can be something that could actually severely harm your faith, or even, and I've met people like this, like I said, even destroy your faith, and constantly being defeated. And let me say this way very specifically. It is not God's will for you, not one single person in here, it is not God's will for you to live in defeat. It's not His will. But it is His will for you to live in victory today, tomorrow, and forever. Not being victorious over one particular thing. There are always things like we need to, something that we focus on, we get, then we want to get victory over that. God, give me a victory over that. I'm talking about victory every moment, every day. I get up, I walk, I'm doing things. I get back home, I go to bed, I get up the next day, and all of that is going to be victorious living. That's what I want for me. Is that what you want for you? Of course you do. Because that's how God made us. And, and, and more importantly, it's His will for us to live that way. 
so today I want to talk just a few minutes about a few points about how we can do that. There are a lot of things we could say, but I want to tell you a few things. First of all, we cannot be in that victorious mode of operation in our life without knowledge. We have to have some knowledge. And there are many people that live in defeat because of just a deficit of knowledge in their lives. And, and, and in the book of Hosea, I'm going to run a lot of verses by you today, so bear with me. I, I, think, I believe that you know, there's a lot of ways to preach a sermon. Some is to take the text and just really expand on that expository approach. And there's some where I'm just going to just open up the floodgates of Scripture and just let it just roll all over you. That's what's happening today. <laughs> so just put your seatbelt on. The first one is the prophet Hosea wrote this in chapter 4 of that, the book he authored. And God's saying through him, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, I know we've got that, so up here. <laughs> that's, the, that's number two. So what is a lack of knowledge? A lack of knowledge is, a, is, is lacking knowledge in things that, that Pastor Bill and I and others, whether it's Wednesday, Sunday, and any classes, whatever it is that we may do, that we talk to you about all the time. And it's not just us. There's many other sources you can have it from. But that's the knowledge that, we, that I'm speaking of. Week after week after week, in this place, there's knowledge coming your way. And, and one of the things is, is that we must know Him. We must know who God is. We must be confident of that. We must know Him. We need to know His nature. We need to know His integrity. We need to know His, uh, His, His attributes. We need to know what He expects of us. We need to know all that stuff about the God that we serve. Okay? But listen to this. To really walk in that daily, ongoing, victorious Life I'm speaking of, today, tomorrow, and forever, is absolutely essential. Say absolutely. It is absolutely essential that we know, you and I know, who we are in Him. It's essential, because if you don't know that, you can't, you, you, you can't do it. You're going to be defeated many times. Now, how do we do this? One of the ways I do this, and many things that I do, is declare things. When I declare things, I like to not just read it. I like to speak it out loud. How many do that in your prayer life, in your, in your spiritual journey, in your walk? Speak it out loud. I preached a sermon about that not that long ago. Speak it. I know who I am in Christ. Here's some of the things I'm declaring. I told Pastor about this a little bit yesterday. I know who I am in Christ because I am saved by grace through faith. Can I get these slides, or are they not working? Are they not working? Aha! Because <laughs> I just wanted to know, if not, I wasn't going to turn around and look for them. Let's go to the next one. So look, I know who I am in Christ because I'm saved by grace through faith. It tells me right here in Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. That's who I am. I know who I am in Christ because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It tells me that in Psalm 139.14. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. I 
know who I am in Christ because I am the righteousness of God through Him. Not because of me, that's for sure. But I can become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made the only one who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with Him. That's who I am. Declare that over your life, over the life of your family. But this I'm talking about mainly just for people, for your own personal journey. I am a joint heir with Jesus. That's who I am. Romans 8, 17 tells me this. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also. Who would like to be a, a, get the inheritance of Jesus? Who wants to be an heir with him? I do. <laughs> and I am. I am. That's who I am. And fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering so that we may share in his glory. I know who I am in Christ because my understanding and knowledge that he's given me of the truth. Look at this, 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. That's who I am. That's who I am. I declare it. I know who I am in Christ because God's loved me with an everlasting love. It doesn't end. Jeremiah 31.3 says that. I have loved you with a, say that with me, everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. I know who I am in Christ because I have rights. You ever had somebody come in and say, you know what? I've got the right to do that. I have the rights to do that. Guess what? I have rights as a child of God. I, that's who I am in Him. I have the right to receive all the promises of God in Christ. 2 Peter 1 4. What does this say? And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. How many believe that? He's given us great and precious promises. There, these are the promises that enable you. This is so important here. These are the promises that enable you, enable you, enable I, to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's who I am in Christ. I know who I am. I also have another right. I have the right to be a child, a child of God. I have a right to be that. It's not something that somebody can take away from me or question. I have the right to be a child of God. Here's why. Look at this. You know this, maybe. 1 John. You can change these as I'm going. 1 John, John 1, 12, excuse me. But to all who did receive him. Now, that's important, that first line there. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, believe in the name of Jesus and who he is, he gave the right to become children of God. That's who I am in Him. I declare it. I'm declaring this now. This is part of my declaration today, so I don't have to do it later. I'm declaring it. See, I believe everything I'm saying. I'm declaring that over myself right now. That's who I am. I'm, I, I'm this. 
who I am in Christ because I'm sanctified through the blood of Jesus. Woo! This is a good one. Let's go to the next one. Are we? Okay. Therefore, Jesus also suffered and died. And there's a lot behind this, but outside the city gates so that he might sanctify and set apart for God as holy the people who believe through the shedding of his own blood. That's who I am in Christ. I declare it today. I'm sanctified through the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I know who I am because I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. Do you ever hear that song by a group called the Imperials years ago? I'm forgiven. Now I have a reason for living. Jesus keeps giving and giving. Giving till my heart overflows, overflows. It's actually an upbeat song. I'd sing it, but I'm forgiven, though. That's who I am. 1 John 1, 9 tells me just very clearly, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to, to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's who I am in him. I'm forgiven. And then this is, I could go on and on and on until leave you with this last one. I am bound for heaven. That's my final destination, folks. I'm bound for there. I am on a pathway to glory. I mean, that to me gets me excited, especially in the light of what just happened to one of my best friends yesterday. The pastor was talking about him. He he was one of my best friends. But you know what? We're going to be reunited. It's not something that's questioned at all. It's absolutely certain. And the the scripture all through, but I'll just give you one, Ephesians 2.6, where he has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. See, to me, I want to declare that. I want to declare that's who I am. All of those things and more. That gives me power of knowledge of who I am to be victorious. And it's not about what I think I can do, but what I know He can do. Did you hear that? Look at that. It's not about what I think I could do, because that has a lot of issues in it that could be troublesome. But it's what I know He can do. And I know He can do it because I've just declared to you a lot of reasons why. Not from what I think, believe the scripture is infallible? Do you believe it's the God-breathed, Holy Spirit-inspired word right from the lips of God? If you believe that, everything I told you today is something that you can declare over your life. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who I am. So we need knowledge to be victorious. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. That's something we need. We also need vision, though. Without vision, chaos can find its way into our lives. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about why I think that. Proverbs 29.18, for one reason, says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth them all happy is he. Okay, so let's look at what the word perish, if you go and look at various translations of that. This is what some of them are, and you can put this up on the screen. Unrestrained. Run wild. Do not accept guidance. Quickly wander astray. So I want to put that in the context for a minute. Listen to this. 
Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. Where there is no vision, the people run wild. Where there is no vision, the people do not accept guidance. Where there is no vision, the people quickly wander astray. I don't want to be any of those things. So without a vision, see, we don't have a target. Now, vision, too, I want to just quickly say, I'm not going to get into a lot of this. Vision is not just from leadership. It is from leadership for a body of believers like this, for a group. There's a responsibility of, of, of leaders to cast a vision and, and establish through God what he's speaking to you about what the vision for this ministry and this fellowship would be. That's that. But you can have a vision for your individual life, a spiritual idea of where you want to go, a target to hit. And if you don't have that, you don't have an aim. And the word I like is you don't have focus. You don't have any, any real ability to focus. And many people, many people that are walking this life, this, this, this Christ-following life, are distracted. They get distracted, and then they can flounder around. And when you're distracted and you're sort of floundering around, you can find yourself in dark places. Not saying you can't get out of it. I'm just saying you can find yourself there. So we need a vision for our lives. And I'm here to share with you today and to declare absolutely today that Jesus is the vision for our life. Him. Be like Him. Talk like Him. Walk like Him. Act like Him. Pray like Him. Heal like Him. Speak like Him. Everything like Him. He's the vision we should have. The Scripture says clearly, fix your eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 2.02. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. And all the things you can read in the, in the, in the scripture, what, 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 what that is really telling us is keep our eyes on him in the midst of all the chaos and everything going on. Keep our eyes on Him. And as we are focused in on Him, that vision of our lives being like Him, that allows us to live in that victory. Let Him be your focus. Let Seek Him continually. I love this verse. Psalm 105, 4 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Let the Word of God be, We many of us know this, be a lamp unto our feet and, and a light unto our path. Listen to how the Passion Translation states that same verse. Psalm 119, 105. Truth's shining light guides me in my choices and decisions. Say choices with me. How many make choices every day? How many make good choices every day? Most of us, we're trying to. And probably most of the time we do. But that light, that shining light of truth, it guides me in my choices, and in decisions. The revelation of your word makes my pathway clear. Praise God for that. There's a lot to be said there. So what my encouragement to you is, make the vision for your life all things Jesus. Make the vision of your life all things Jesus. Say that with me. All things Jesus. Fix your eyes upon him. The more that this vision is your focus, the more joy and happiness. I promise you, I could talk to you, I could probably talk to you, Melody, about this. I could probably talk to David Lieber. I could probably talk to Helen and Clayton about this. I could talk to a lot of people about this. On and on and on. Your joy and your happiness 
will be more than what you think it even could be. It'll fill your life even in the difficult times. That's when we hear about things that, that there's a joy unspeakable. A joy unspeakable. It, it's, it, it's there for the taking, guys. It's This life is there for the taking. Not, now, everything I'm saying here doesn't mean we're not going to encounter challenges and difficulties. This is how we live victorious in them. What I'm sharing with you today. But you can do it. You can do it. I'm doing it. I'm not, I, I want more of it, but, but this, is, this is how we live. This is what we need to do. This is what our expectation should be. And lack of vision... See, the more the vision is your focus, the more joy and happiness you'll find even in those difficult times. But the, the lack of vision is going to create chaos, and lack of knowledge is going to create a, uh, an unrestrained, if you will, set of circumstances. So those are the two things we've talked about. And then the last one is lack of prayer allows the enemy to infiltrate. Who knows what infiltrate means? Infiltrate is not a full-on frontal assault where you see them coming and here they come. We've got to defend ourselves. Infiltrating is secret. Infiltrating is covert. Infiltrating is stealthy. It's something that is not obvious. And listen, if you listen to this, if we allow our prayer life to be diminished or worse, Non-existent. This is real important for somebody today. The enemy has an opening, just an opening that he needs to infiltrate. To infiltrate. To come in. And the other side of that, well, let me just say, when, when, when the enemy infiltrates, he infiltrates in things and then it starts showing up in areas. It's going to show up in your relationships. There's one thing I promise you is going to happen because that's happened to me numerous times. It'll show up in your marriage. It'll show up in a relationship with your children or your family. It'll show up with people in your co- that you have co-worker and guess what? Or co-workers and others, people you encounter. But it'll also show up in this church family. Did you know that? I'm going to get off on something I wasn't planning to talk about, but I'm going to do it anyway because I feel like I need to right now. The the enemy can infiltrate relationships that you have amongst people who are all professing to be and saying that we're following the Lord. We're we're Christ followers. It's called offense. Have you ever heard of it? Anybody ever been offended? Anybody ever offended someone? Well, I'll raise my hands to both of those because I'm sure I have. I know I've been offended. I'm sure I've offended somebody. Maybe even unintentionally. Maybe sometimes intentionally. I don't know. Come think of it. I don't know. But you know what? Offense is something that you have to deal with because if you don't, it leads to an unforgiveness and then a spirit of bitterness. There is no way it doesn't lead to that, folks, until you deal with it. And I'm going to tell you this because it's so important. This is the number one thing I think that plagues because it's an infiltration tactic. It's not something where I'm going to say, bam, you got a big health problem. Bam, you got something else going on that's so obvious. This is something that sneaks in and it starts eroding at your spiritual life. It takes away from everything God wants to do in your life. And let me say this too. Unforgiveness is sin. Did you hear me? Unforgiveness is sin. Plain and simple. And if we don't live in forgiveness, the scripture says, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but look, if I've, I've forgiven,
forgive, I'm not going to forgive you. I can show you. Listen to me now. Well, maybe this is, I don't know. This is important stuff because it's sin and it's not some marginal thing. Now, I've had people over and over tell me that they've had an offense, they've had something happen, and they said, I've forgiven them. I told the Lord, I prayed about it, I've forgiven them. And then I say, oh, great. Have you spoke to them about it? Oh, well, no, I'm not going to talk to them about it. And I am saying that a little bit in a humorous way, but this is serious. No, I haven't talked to them. Well, why not? Why haven't you? Here's what I think. Now, this is not something I'm going to prove to you in the Scripture, but this is what I believe, and I do believe this. If you truly have forgiven someone and not just said, because there's times we've got to forgive people. Would everybody agree with that? Everybody that agrees with that say yes. There are times we have to forgive people, and there are times we need to be forgiven. Okay? I, I'll, we, we all totally believe that. Now, if that's the case, and I've got a circumstance that I'm facing, and I'm going to say, well, yeah, no, I, I've forgiven it, so I can check the box off in the Scripture where it tells me if I don't, I'm in trouble. Here's my litmus test. Have you broken bread with that person? Have you had a meal with that person? And I'm not saying you have to be best buddies, although grace could do that. Grace could take your worst enemy and turn them into your best friend. Do you believe that? Well, grace could do everything else. Why couldn't it do that? Grace is power, man. But I'm not saying you have to go on your vacations together and spend every waking moment together and you do all that. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you must forgive. And I think if you can't sit down and have a meal with someone, You've checked the box off so you can think you're covered, but you're not. I didn't hear a lot of response on that, but that's okay. You're not covered because you're not forgiven yet. And I'm not saying you have to talk about the offense and work it all through. Sit down and talk about the weather. Sit down and talk about how great it is to live in Florida. Talk about your children. Talk about things, whatever it might be. Talk about sports. It doesn't matter. But break bread and have a relationship. And if you can't do that, you've got more work to do on your knees. Hear me now. I, I'm, I'm telling that, that is, I didn't even mean to say any of that. Praise God. Okay. So, lack of prayer allows the enemy to infiltrate. He's going to get in the church family. He's going to get in our families. He's going to get in things. And he's going to do it secretly. And Here's the thing about the prayer part, though. A prayer life, a robust prayer life, gives you all the ammunition you need to fight the enemy. All you need. And let me tell you, if you've ever seen a war movie or anything like that, have you ever seen a movie where they're like there and they're they're shooting and they're in the battle or whatever, and they say, we're about to run out of ammo. I don't care what kind of weapon you have. If you don't have ammunition to go in it, it's worthless. I've seen those movies like the old westerns where they would be shooting at somebody, and then they keep on clicking even though they know the bullet's in there, and then they throw the gun at them. Have you ever seen that? I always thought that was so stupid. Like, why are you throwing the gun at them? That's not going to do anything. You ran out of ammo. See, in our life, we don't want to run out of ammunition, and a robust prayer life will assure you that you don't. That's how the enemy infiltrates, man. Slither in, not noticeably. Let me just do it this way. Dave, can I use you for a moment just to stand up? All right. Am I 
going to be a good teacher. Well, maybe I will. I just might mess with you. Because I love you. I know. But just as a, he's not going to come up in something like this. David, how are you? May I introduce myself? I'm Satan. I'd like to just let you know that I'm planning to come into your life and sneak in. And I'm not going to really like, tell you anything that I'm doing, but I'm going to destroy you. That's what's going to happen. But I just before all of that happened, I didn't want it to be on such bad terms. I just wanted to get to introduce myself and let you know it's coming. Not what he's going to do, man. He's not going to do that. He comes in through the back door. He comes in through the windows that we left open that we were supposed to lock. I have two pet peeves. Well, I've got more than that, actually. Don't I, honey? <laughs> a bunch of them. i got two big ones. One is leaving lights on. Does anybody share that with me? I can't stand coming into a house that nobody's in, and yet we're lighting it up. If my son was in here, he would be like, no, 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 no. I just have always felt like if you can turn a light on, you can turn. <laughs> you can turn off. That's one. Another one is locking my doors. I checked and I figured this. Whoever the inventor of the locks were, went back in time, whoever invented it, they put them there for a reason. If they didn't expect you to use them, they'd have just put a handset where you can open the door and walk in and out. The locks are on your door for a reason, to be locked. Now, we live in a nice neighborhood. I'm not too worried about a lot of that stuff, but okay. So locks on doors. If you don't lock your spiritual door, leave that crap in that window, he's going to slither on in. Lock it down. You can lock it down with a robust prayer life. You can have all the ammunition you need to fight him. And he won't sneak in and do all that. Because he'll come in and he'll come in and he'll start off like seemingly like an insignificant disobedience. But it's disobedience nonetheless, like I was talking about with unforgiveness. Seems like it's unimportant. But it is. And then he's gotcha. And then he's going to work his way spins lies to make them sound like they're the truth. So here's one thing in Ephesians 4.26. It says this. Be angry at sin. You know it's okay to be angry at some things? You can be angry at sin. But immorality, read Ephesians 4 if you want to hear all the things he's talking about here. Apostle Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. Here he's saying, be angry, amplified version, at sin, at immorality, at injustice, at ungodly behavior. Yet do not sin and do not let your anger, now think about what I was just talking about before. I didn't even, wow, look at this. Okay, I didn't even think about this until right now. Don't let your, do not let your anger cause you shame or allow it to last until the sun goes down. And then do not give the devil an opportunity. Say opportunity. Don't even give him an opportunity. Don't leave that door open. Don't leave that window cracked. Don't give him the opportunity. To lead you into sin by, I'm telling you, what I said a moment ago, I cannot believe how the scripture is connecting this in the Amplified Version right now. Listen, people, listen to this. By holding a grudge, don't let it lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment or cultivating bitterness. Don't let that ruin what God wants for you. Live in victory. We could get our praise team to come as I'm going to close here. So what's the recipe? What's the recipe for victory? Okay, here it is. First thing, guys, we've got to do is, as we're just we're sharing, 
You want to live today, tomorrow, and forever and not just be victorious and then defeated and victorious and defeated. I, I overcame that, but now I'm defeated and defeated. Oh, I'm gonna, but I got victory over that one thing, and then it just is up and down and up. You want to live today, tomorrow, always? That's how you want to live? Here are three quick things. Pray. Oh, well, that, we, we know that. We know we're supposed to pray. Friends, I'm telling you, listen to me right now. It's time to pray. It is time to pray for this church. It is time to pray for your family. It is time to pray for our schools. It's time to pray for our, our, our nation. It's time to pray. It's time. And it doesn't matter if you've never done it before or you've done it and you've fallen off and you're not consistent about it. It doesn't matter. Now's the time. It's time to pray. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, we've got a picture of that. Pastor and I were talking about this just the other day. He spoke at the uh, STLI Awards Banquet last uh, Thursday and shared a little bit of that from his heart about, about his good friend and our wonderful friend and, and a servant of God. It's not even anything else you can say. Mighty servant of God, Rich Valier. And there was an award that was given to him. He was speaking about this, and he talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he actually told me that he is preaching a sermon next Sunday about this, right? About that general topic. Take my word for it, guys. Be here for that. Because what he talked about Thursday is powerful. He's going to bring that into a message that I know will help you and bless you. But He was a fully human man, but also fully God. And he's asking his father, is there any way that I don't have to do this? Because see, he knew what was coming. Jesus knew what he was going to have to go through. And it wasn't just about the pain. I'm going to say some things I hope aren't offensive. But I want to tell you this. It wasn't because he got beat with a whip and his back was totally destroyed and in pain and bleeding. It wasn't because he got beaten a pulp with swelling all over his face and blood everywhere. And who knows, maybe teeth knocked out. I don't know, but he took a beat. It wasn't because people spit on him and mocked him, stabbed him with a sword, took a crown of thorns this time and jammed it into his skull. That's not what he was trying to avoid. That was maybe part of it, but that wasn't really what it was. You know what he's trying to avoid? Having to shoulder the sin of everything that had happened from the time Eve bit the apple until September 29, 2019. That's what he did. But he knew that was going to be... He didn't know how he was going to handle it. And I see him looking up to the Father. And I think about my son. I've always done this for years. About Jesus and how much he loved me. How much, how much, folks, he loves you. I think about my son, if he was sitting there, and it's certainly not a circumstance like what Jesus was going to deal with, but anything. Dad, is there any way that I don't have to do this because I knew it was going to hurt him and cause him pain? I see him looking at me and said, Dad, is there any way and I think that when Jesus was praying that night, he was praying and 
can't even relate in any even form. Jesus said, though, but not as I will, but as you will. And he knew what was coming, yet he went to the Garden of Gethsemane on his knees and prayed. Folks, we don't know what's coming. How much do we need to pray? We don't know what tomorrow holds. How much do we need to pray? It's time to pray. That's one. Make God's word a priority in your daily life. I'm wrapping up here. Not just that we read it, we've got to make it a priority. There's nobody that can't take five minutes in the morning, five minutes at the, in the middle of the day, and five minutes in the evening. Make more than that if you want. There's no one that can't do that. Not one of you. And more is better, but I'm just saying, let it be daily. And it has to be a priority. If it's a priority to watch the news or to read a newspaper or to play on your phone and look on Facebook, come on now. It's time to pray a little bit, and it's time to spend word, time in His Word daily. Prioritize it. You want to live today, tomorrow, forever in victory? I'm telling you. What things? Well, we already know this. Are you doing it? I'm challenging you here today. I'm challenging me today. Not because I'm trying to pass judgment or say anything. I'm telling you how to be victorious in Him. Declare all of these things over your life. Do what he asks you to do. Pray. Just like Jesus did, even though he knew what was coming, he prayed anyway. Make God's word a priority. Listen to this. You need to get into the word of God, and the word of God needs to get into you. It's more important it gets into you, but the only way it's going to get into you is for you to get into the word of God. Daily. Prioritize it. Make it a discipline. Making God's Word a part of your spiritual DNA allows your faith to grow, to get bolder, to be able to overcome. 1 John 5, 4 says it like this, Amplified Version. For everyone born of God is victorious and overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has conquered and overcome the world. Our continuing, persistent, say that with me, continuing and persistent faith in Jesus, the Son of God, we cannot have a continuing faith. We got, cannot have a persistent faith if we are not making time for prayer, if we are not making time and making a priority of God's Word getting into our life. We can't. You want to overcome? There's a price. It, it requires you to do something. But you've still got so much time. Go do a math calculation of how many hours in a seven-day week. And how many I just asked you set aside. So the recipe for victory today, tomorrow, and forever is to pray, make God's word a priority, and to write this vision for your spiritual life. Where do you want to be with God in three months from now, in three years from now, wherever it is? Where do you want to be with Him? How much time do you want to be spending in prayer today? How much time do you want to spend in the Word? There's so many ways to consume the Word of God now through your phone and through Ever. There's no place that you can ever be that you can't consume the Word of God. There's really no place that you can't pray either, by the way. And you're focused and moving in that direction that God has planned for your life. You're going to be walking in victory. You're going to be walking in victory, and you will be, listen to this, you will be walking in
But I want, I'm just trying to find the plan of God for my life. I want to know what the plan of God is. Here's what the plan of God is. Pray. Find time. Get into his word. Make it a priority. Write that vision down for what you want to do and stay focused on it. You will be walking in the plan of God. You will be walking in the will of God. It is the will of God that we, and in that vision, write down how many times you want to be in church. you got 52 Sunday morning opportunities every year. Do you want to be a 26-time-a-year person? I'm not, this is not, I'm not trying to be negative about anybody. Please understand that. If you feel like that, that's not me. That's your own thoughts about it. Or do you want to be a 35-a-week person, a year person? Or do you want to be a 48-time-a-year person? I got a couple weeks for vacation, okay. One or two times where I might be sick, okay, that's 48. Write it down. What do you want to, What do you want God to be doing in your life? I'm telling you how to get there. Fellowship with believers. Be in His Word. Pray. He won't be able to get in a window or a door or any of that. There won't be any infiltration. There will be, He will be defeated. You will walk victoriously today, tomorrow, and always. So, if you would just stand with me, please, as we close.